Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am Bird. This is soon to be Jake. It is Pass Catcher's Day, and it is Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, Jake. How are you? How was baseball? A two-hour and 33-minute Yankee game on Thursday? Oh, mwah. chef's kiss. Yeah, man. I liked it a lot. Happy to be here. And uh, I th- think that's everything. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Are you excited to uh, finish up the offensive side of the ball? We're getting real close. Getting very close, man. I Month of, right? Yeah. Month of. Month of. A couple programming notes to just announce before uh, before we get into anything. We are going to be doing a little news and notes because, of course, this is a fantasy show, so we have to keep you up to date with all the things that are going on in fantasy football. Um, just want to send a, a thank you to everybody. We mentioned on the quarterback show that we were thinking about doing a mailbag that is exclusively NFL draft related. Um, we have a crap ton of questions already. Did not expect that to happen within the first 24 hours for 24 to 48 hours. So thank you very much. We will be doing that. Don't know when, but we will be doing it. Whether it is Jake and I, whether it is Adam and I, don't know. We will be doing it. So thank you very much. If you ha- if you still have questions that you want to submit, please, by all means, go for it. I'll go through them all. I'll sift through the best ones, and those are the ones that we're going to do. So, uh, But just a big thank you to, to everybody who submitted those questions. They mean a great, great deal. Um, we are going to do some news and notes, of course, just to keep everyone filled in on what has been going on over the last week or so in the National Football League. And we'll start in Dallas. Tony Pollard signed his franchise tag with the Dallas Cowboys. Jake, is Tony Pollard a top 12 running back heading into the season? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think they'll draft another running back, too. If they draft B. John Robinson, where would you be comfortable sl- uh, selecting Tony Pollard? Uh, top 27. If they draft a running back in the second or the third round, where would you be comfortable taking Tony Pollard? Uh, top 8. To top 15. Yeah. Okay. So if, if it's Bijan, well, okay, what if it's Jameer Gibbs? I mean, that's a little weird. They're both kind of the same player. I mean, that's exactly it. I would probably say top 20 for Tony okay. Pollard. And that is in uh, PPR, correct? That is correct, sir. Uh, Lane Johnson signed a contract extension with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to be making around $34 million. $30 million of that is guaranteed. Tony Jones Jr., Jake, signing with the Denver Broncos. Does Tony Jones Jr. make you a little nervous with all of the cloud that is around Javante Williams right now over his return from the ACL injury where there seems to be a lot more that has gone into it now? No, it's Tony Jones, but who knows? That's a very weird situation for sure. With the whole Javante Williams situation now, there's speculation that the uh, that there could be some scar tissue there, that, that he may not be 100%, whatever it may be. Jake, are you gonna, are you going to be comfortable at all with drafting Javante Williams? No, he's not on my, uh, my radar, to say the least. Let's play America's favorite game, shall we? Because we just absolutely love the would-you-rathers here on this program. Uh, Javante Williams or Cam Akers in full-point PPR? Uh, Cam Akers. I would say Cam Akers. Javante Williams or Damian Pierce? I think I would actually go Javante. 
That's where I would go Javante. I would go Javante there. Javante Williams or Miles Sanders? Sanders. Sanders for me by by a significant amount. I have Miles Sanders right now as my 35th overall player. Yeah, he's interesting. He's very, very, very interesting. I like him. I like him a whole heck of a lot. Uh, Javante Williams, by the way, for all those that are that are curious, I have him down at 42 right now. And by the way, I don't know if I even mentioned this on the podcast. Uh, if you go on Fantasy Pros right now and you go under any player that you want, you click on rankings, you can see all my ranks right there on Fantasy Pros. So definitely go check them out if you have any questions and you want to see the full ranks because we will never talk about my full ranks on this show going from one to a gazillion. So if you want to check them out, they are all there. Uh, full, half, standard, dynasty, season long, draft, not draft, prospect, best ball, Devi, uh, you name it. It's, it. It is all there if that tickles your fancy at all. Javante Williams or J.K. Dobbins, Jake? Uh, you know what? Give me J.K. Fully that, healthy. Is that with or without Lamar? I think that's with or without Lamar. Dobbins looks pretty healthy to end the end of last year. So who knows? Maybe this is the year he finally breaks through. I will say, I'll say Javante Williams. That's pretty close. And here's the guy that I have back to back with Javante Williams, Javante Williams or Deandre Swift. Javante Williams for me. Javante Williams for me as well. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is signing a deal with the Baltimore Ravens. Jake, that is sure to move the needle to get Lamar Jackson to go back there, huh? Yeah, <laughs> they certainly did, bro. I mean, while we're on it, we, we haven't we haven't addressed it yet, so let's just talk about it now. Uh, Lamar Jack Lamar Jackson announced right when uh, head coach John Harbaugh was going to meet with the media at the NFL owners meetings that he had requested a trade from the team on March second. Uh, a mess of a situation. Jake, what are your initial thoughts about the whole Lamar situation? And what are the odds that you think in your head that he is going to get dealt? Yeah, it just feels like a very league wide conspiracy of owners just really coming together because they don't want the fully guaranteed deals to become a thing. Um, So that's where I think it's going to be a line drawn in the sand, particularly with Lamar Jackson. So I don't think he's dealt. Um, it's not like another team's offering him the deal that he wants. So is he going to go – unless he's willing to not take a fully guaranteed contract. He also needs an agent too. I think that's a big part of his problem. But I think he's ultimately back with the Ravens on a deal that's probably like a four-year extension where the first three years are guaranteed. He might – there could be some type of like opt-out or something after year one. Maybe it's a type of Band-Aid deal. It'll be a creative deal that gets him back to the Ravens. I just think that a lot of the owners and a lot of the teams wouldn't negotiate in bad faith like that. You're even seeing teams come out and just pour complete water over the fire with Lamar Jackson. And that's every single team. You can't tell me a team that has definitive interest in Lamar Jackson right now. So where where is he going to play? So if he's playing anywhere next year, it'll be with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, let's play this game now. If Lamar Jackson is a member of the Baltimore Ravens, which we he's going to be a member of the Ravens. Well. I think that I think that's rectified. It seems it seems that he's not looking for that fully guaranteed deal. He's looking for more guaranteed dollars than Deshaun Watson. Which honestly, I don't think that is a horrific ask. If that is he's not going to get it though, case. he's not going to no. get it. Nobody's going to give it to him because then it's you know 
oh, well, we're going to eventually have to do this again for somebody else. And it's right. going to it's going to become the new norm. And they yes. do not want that. <laughs> Everything is just going to snowball one thing after the other. It's That's, it's, that's why the, the Jimmy Haslam and the Browns, they completely screw themselves. You think anybody's ever going to negotiate in good faith with Cleveland now? Hell no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not a chance. Uh, so let's say Lamar stays in Baltimore. Are you drafting him as a top five quarterback? No, never, never again. He doesn't, play, he, as... he, he doesn't play enough. He's going to miss at least three games a year. Are you drafting him as a top seven quarterback? I'm not drafting him at all. <laughs> like, Would you draft him as a top 10 quarterback? All right, maybe top 10. They're top, top, you could find a top 10 quarterback. like Lamar Jackson late. or Trevor Lawrence? Ah, shit, man. I think I would go Trevor Lawrence. But Trevor Lawrence is, is, is the cutoff for top seven right now. Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott? I would go Lamar. Yeah, I would go. I would go Lamar too. I have yeah, Lamar right. Lamar. I have Lamar right now as my QB five. Yeah, I, I would go Lamar over Dak. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Say basically same guy. Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. Um. Probably wouldn't draft either due to price, but I, I think I would probably go Justin Fields. Honestly. Okay. okay. Uh, let's go to Carolina. DJ Shark is signing with or has signed with the Carolina Panthers. Jake, does that move the needle for you at all in fantasy? Yeah, no. I actually think he may. In, in, in 12, 14 team leagues, I could be interested in 10. I don't think he has uh, much value. It's just value. like, do we really want a lot of the with, – with as much as we like CJ Stroud, it's, he's still a rookie. There's a lot more appealing offenses, in my opinion, sure. than – Carolina, sure. I would think there are a lot of targets to go around though, and that that has to be some someone is going to get theirs. Whether it's DJ Chark, whether it's Adam Thielen, Therese Marshall, uh, Hayden Hurst, someone's gonna someone's gonna get theirs. Just a matter of of uh, which one. I actually think Hayden Hurst is kind of interesting. He definitely is, and he's not going to cost much. It's going to be essentially free. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that that is why I find him to be a little bit interesting. Uh, staying with the Carolina Panthers, very rare that we talk about this kind of thing on this podcast, but worth mentioning because of who he is going to. Zane Gonzalez was traded to the 49ers. He will be the new kicker for the San Francisco 49ers. Jake, is that at all interesting in the kicker market? Well, I mean, is Robbie Gold still the kicker for the Niners or is he No, gone? Robbie Gold is a free agent. Um, I don't know. I don't really play in any fantasy leagues with a kicker, so I couldn't even tell you who, who was where. But I guess that's interesting. They should score a decent amount. Yeah, Zane Gonzalez has a career field goal percentage of about 80.5%, and last year nailed 91% of his kicks with Carolina. Sean Payton bringing in one of his old boys from New Orleans to Denver as Marquez Calloway is signing with the Broncos. Not interested. It's interest, it is interesting if they trade Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy, which Sean Payton has said that they are not. Jake, do you believe him? Well... No, <laughs> he could be lying. Like, <laughs> no, not really. To be honest with you, um, still not interested. I just don't really think he's all that good. To be honest with you, like, he, yeah, he he was a story maybe two years ago, but you know, uh, no, I'm not interested. Marquise Goodwin is signing with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that's not really that interesting to me at all. Uh, Bobby Wagner signing a contract with yeah, Seattle Seahawks, going back to where it all began for Bobby Wagner. Uh, doesn't really move the needle at all for the Seahawks defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bobby Wagner could still play. He can. 
He can. ID, IDP, he could he could be a little bit interesting. Dude, I don't know what the what an ID IDP. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you're playing in a league with defensive players, like you got to check into Kings Park or something like that. Like <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. IDP IDP is psychotic. It, it, yeah. it is. I've done it once. It it yeah. and no that that's just a whole different level, uh, for me. Um, interesting one out of San Francisco. John Lynch saying Brock Purdy has earned the right to start for the 49ers. It's going to be a competition, though, between Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Sam Darnold also expecting to get some reps there in that competition. Jake, yeah. two-part two part question. One, who do you think is winning the job? Two, who, what would be the best thing for fantasy? I'm not joking. I think Darnold's going to start opening day. Wow. I think Darnold's going to be pretty good, man. And I think he's pretty appealing for fantasy, too, because he can run a little bit, too. Like, people sleep on it. He can, he can move. I'm rooting for him. I really am. I liked him. I think the Jets really screwed him at the end. I don't think they screwed Zach Wilson. But I thought Darnold they screwed. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Darnold. Maybe Lance would – honestly, I think Darnold is more appealing for fantasy. We, we've seen him in Carolina last year. He, he put up productive days on Sunday, sure. right? Sure. We saw Deontay Foreman be relevant. Uh, DJ Moore was fine with Darnold, right? He was better with a lot better with Darnold than he was with Baker or any of the other stiffs they had in Carolina as the quarterback. So I I think Darnold's better for, for guys like Debo and Ayuk. I would still say it's it's Brock Purdy, but I definitely see the lot. Purdy's not gonna be ready though for week one. No way. That's all. That's also fair. No, but if Purdy, but I think I'm pretty sure Shanahan said though, if Purdy's ready, he's going to be the guy. So, yes. Um, or essentially implied that I, I was, I was really implying that Purdy wouldn't be ready because if Purdy's ready, he's going to start. But right, I mean, the guy just had Tommy. John. He's not coming back that soon from Tommy right. John. No way. Right. Irv Smith signed a one-year deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. Jake, is he interesting? He is. He's essentially free, and he's catching passes from Joe Burrow. How can you? How can you not? He definitely is a breakout candidate. That that's that's for sure. It's kind I, of been, been waiting do. on it, though. That's the only like unappealing thing. It's like we've been saying Irv Smith is a breakout guy now. What for like the past three years? So right, right. Uh, Scotty Miller signing a one year deal with the Atlanta Falcons. Don't really care. DeAndre Carter signed a one-year deal with the Las Vegas Raiders. That's fantastic for him. Uh, Calais Campbell signed a deal with the Atlanta Falcons. Marvin Jones back to Detroit. Jake, does that move the needle at all? No. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. And oh yeah, by the way, I, for, I forgot this little uh, this little nugget here. Uh, Jake, can you believe it? Michael Thomas isn't one hundred percent healthy. Yeah, I mean. Stop me if we've heard that one before. <laughs> Unfamiliar. Yeah, really. Just I'm just so shocked that Michael Thomas is not ready to play. Uh, Jake, where would you be comfortable taking Michael Thomas in fantasy? Maybe the tenth round. Honestly, honestly, that might even be too rich. Might be stretching it. Yeah, that really might be. <laughs> I have... might be stretch. I mean, how, how dumb do you think New Orleans feels giving him like they should just let him walk? Uh, uh, honestly. Honestly, it's it's laughable at this point. I have Michael Thomas as my wide receiver 50. Uh, yeah, that might even be generous. It might be. It, it really might be. I'm, I have to look at the consensus. 
The consensus has him at 45. That's that. Oh God. Oh no, sorry. That was in standard in PPR. He is, he is at 50. Nice. No, thanks. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Michael Thomas or Zay Jones. Yeah, I'd rather have Thomas than Zay Jones. I'd take the chance. I'd take the chance on Thomas, I think. Uh, Michael Thomas or Jamison Williams? Honestly, probably Jamison Williams. Oh, Jamison Williams for me. It's not close. Uh, Let's see here. Another one of our good buddies, Gabe Davis or Michael Thomas? Uh, In fall. I think I'd take the chance on Thomas. I think I would, too. What 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 about in half? I, st- I, th- I would still take the chance. What about non? I'd still take the chance. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, Davis is just not very exciting after how he burned people last year. No, no. I'll give you one more in full. Uh, Elijah, give me, give me more, or Michael Thomas. Um, I think I would go with Elijah more. I, I think, think I, I would, would too. I think I would too. I would go with like Brandon Ayuk over him too. Our good buddy. Uh, that's, a, that's a great guy. <laughs> Our good buddy. Would Our you good take, buddy, Brandon Would you Knight. take Chase Claypool over Michael Thomas? Um, is there a choice to say no? <laughs> yeah, I just should have said no. I just refrained from answering the question. Yeah, I, I hear you there. All right. So let's go into the pass catchers. And we are going to start with the wide receivers. So as a reminder... We'll be giving out our top five. We have a sleeper for each position. And we are just going to have a nice civil discourse about each of the receivers that we have on our list. So, uh, Jake, I will go first. I will go first. So, my sleeper receiver, I have Rashi Rice out of SMU. My number five receiver, I have Josh Downs out of UNC. My number four receiver, I have Quinton Johnston out of TCU. My number three, I have Jordan Addison out of USC. My number two receiver, I have Zay Flowers out of Boston College. And then number one, Jackson Smith and Jigba out of the Ohio State University. So my sleeper is, I hope I pronounce this correctly. There's been like a, a bunch of numerous pronunciations of this guy's name. Andrea Asobis from Princeton. We're going to talk about him. It's and- Andre Iosivas. I so, dude, there's been like four different pronunciations of this guy's yeah, name. It's... I have no idea, but we'll we'll talk about him. Out of Princeton. So out of the out of Ivy Princeton. League. Yep. Out of the Ivy. Uh, my number five receiver, Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. Number four, I have Jordan Addison from USC. Number three, I have Quentin Johnson, Johnston, excuse me, from TCU. And at number two, I have Zay Flowers from Boston College. And at number one, I have Jackson Smith and Jigba. All right, beautiful. So our, our top idea. two, our top two are exactly the same. So let's start with uh, the number one receiver that we both have here, Jackson Smith in Jigba, a re- probably one of the more interesting prospects that I've ever scouted, just because you have to really base it off of the 2021 film. 2022 dealt with a chronic hamstring injury that 
basically sidelined him. It really did sideline him for the entire season. Um, but even with that, he still has some of the best natural playing skills that exists in this year's class. And I want to preface this by saying there is not much that separates my one receiver one to like receiver seven or eight. It, it, it there this is a very very deep wide receiver class. Uh, but Jackson Smith and Jigba JSN. He runs great routes, has a very advanced route tree. He's got decent enough explosion. He's you know good en- good enough in that area, but outstanding hands, can fight for any ball, is very, very good at winning those 50-50 balls, and has a natural affinity to find the gaps in coverage. He's just a very, very smart football player, which I absolutely enjoy, but the year on the sideline is what is absolutely going to throw some questions into 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 some things with him um i know some scouts that have him at number one like we do i know scouts that have him as low as number six just because of the at the questions about durability with him and the fact that receiver is so deep this year yeah for me he's not necessarily a can't miss probably one of the more and this is no knock on him it's just more due to the peers that he has in this draft class but um, one of the more underwhelming wide receiver ones, I would say, from previous years, um, probably wouldn't I, – I don't want to, like, kill the kid. He's my number one wide receiver. But he's he probably would have been, like, more of a wide receiver three in a very solid year year's draft class. And that's, that's no knock on him. But, yeah, like you said, very advanced route tree. The 2021 film – was much better than 2022 where he battled injuries and kind of mailed it in at the end of the season. But guy can run very crisp routes. You can tell that he has that type of movement in his hips, very fluent, very natural, can do just about anything in terms of running routes. He can get vertical. Uh, did he test? I, I didn't um, get his 40 time. But uh, let me have a look. It seemed like a guy that would test very well from what I can see. He moved fine. So he um, ran he ran a four five two forty. Uh, okay, that's he, not that great then. The only thing he did not fine. do was the bench press, but he did everything else. Yeah, three, uh, okay. three nine three shuttle, uh, thirty five inch vertical, one twenty five on the broad jump, and a six point five seven three cone. Okay, all right. So he didn't test great, but he didn't test awful either. He did just enough to probably be the first or second wide receiver drafted in drafts. So that's good for him. Um, the only thing with me is uh, needs to get a little bit better on contested catches. I think he might be more of a slot receiver at the next level. That's probably where he excels the most, so we can really show off his arsenal of routes. And that's where that's where he was in 2021 when he was in that Ohio State offense with Chris Olave and yeah. Garrett Wilson. Yeah, so that's probably where he will thrive the most because he's not really a 50-50 ball guy. Not the most physical either. I did notice that in press coverage – against some more physical, bigger corners. They could disrupt him um, at the line of scrimmage. He can get pushed around a little bit, but against soft zones, this guy knows exactly where to go um, for the soft spots on zones. And he also has great hands too. I don't have the exact number of drops in front of me. Please forgive me, but there was no, oh my God, you got to catch that ball. Like that. That's that's just inexcusable right there. Pretty big catch radius too for a guy that's only, what is he, like 6'1", 6'2". Yep. So still at a very big catch radius. I don't know the exact wingspan, but he was a guy to me that played longer than what he was, but he didn't play bigger than what he was 
um, because he wasn't the most physical receiver, but that's okay if you're playing in a slot system in the NFL. But uh, this kid, to me, really stood out from all – he was the most well-rounded receiver out of the bunch, in my opinion. So he had a 75-and-a-half wingspan, which which ranked in about the 38th percentile, which is is pretty good. It's above average for what we're looking for out of the out of the receivers. What's in, what's interesting is is you know it's a point that that Jake made. The drops that's a hundred percent right. They they really weren't drops. And what's in, what's interesting about the drops as well, if you look at the twenty twenty one film and you're actually looking at the games altogether, the receiver who actually had the most significant drops on that film turned out to be Chris Olave, which. Yeah. I thought was was like the most interesting, and then Chris Olave really hasn't had that issue in the National Football League. So it it it's another it's a boot point as we you know keep going on uh, with the ranks that drops that you can always you can always correct those, and that just comes with better catch form, yeah, and and, and things like that. And a guy that I did speak with that um, is rather well connected with scouting at the next level. He told me point blank that last year. The scouting community was pretty much under the assumption that Jackson Smith and Jigba was the best receiver at Ohio State. If he was to come out of the draft last year, they think that he would have went ahead of where Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave went. That's how um, well regarded and what highly touted this kid was last year. I'm not saying he took a huge hit this year, but I think there was a lot more hype and a lot more sizzle around his name. Um, you know that the people that do this for a living. Yeah, and I and I absolutely agree with that. I've heard people that have said the exact same. Um, I was a big fan of all three receivers. Like it wasn't it wasn't like I favored one significantly more than the other. Um, you know, I I always thought that Chris that Chris Olave. I was. It wasn't that I wasn't the biggest fan of Garrett Wilson. I just had more questions about Garrett Wilson more than anybody any of the three. But I still thought that he was uber talented, and yeah. that's proven to be. Uh, correct at the next level. So uh, we're two for two on that one. And hopefully the third one is going to have a pretty, uh, pretty good career in the pros. It's becoming a lot like Alabama, right? Where they have guy. After oh, yeah. guy. It's like becoming a pipeline of receivers, but yeah, um, really well all around player. will make a team very happy it, it, just for whatever my two cents are. Uh, if you're the Houston Texans, how do you not draft this kid at number 12 with whatever quarterback that you take and become interesting and give the kid a fighting chance? You know, Agreed. let's do something competent for once, right. uh, Houston Texans. They have to add somebody. They, ha- they, they have, have to, to get add somebody. a receiver somewhere. Maybe, hell, honestly, maybe even two. It's not Robert Woods. No, absolutely not. If you can get if you can get two receivers to go along with what you have with Nico Collins and and, and Robert Woods, then sure, then then fabulous. I think teams I think, are just really starting to treat receivers like. You know, you can't have too many, especially with the young quarterback. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you want to have – it's, you know, the, sometimes, you know, quality over quantity is one thing. With a young quarterback, quantity over quality, you know, helps, especially with, with, when they're, you're talking about young receivers as well because, yeah, you can, you can have the quality receivers, but if you have a ton of young young receivers and you're trying to build a young team, that quantity could turn into some quality down, down the road. So, yeah. Yeah. So the next guy on the list. Right. Yeah. Let's let's go to the next guy on the list. It is Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Uh, without a doubt, the most him and Jordan Addison were the was the two sets of film that I watched out of the entire receivers 
where it was the most exciting, fun, electric tape that I watched in this entire scouting process. The elite combo of his speed, the the acceleration that he has, his quickness, especially his jump at the snap, is so impressive. And he really is undersized for a receiver, 5'9", 182 pounds. But, hell, Tyreek Hill is one of the best receivers in the National Football League. So, size at the at the end of the day it is again it, it's an it's not an irrelevant point it's definitely more of a, a moot point um he can hold up outside he can handle press coverage well uh he's got if you're looking for your stats he's been super productive at boston college and this is also going with the fact that boston college have stunk for a very very long time um at the shrine bowl he was the best player on the entire field I wonder, Jake, and, I, and maybe this could be where, you know, you give your uh, your opinion on this because I don't know where I stand, to be honest. I think he can be an outside receiver, but I'd be very curious to think to see if you think that he could end up actually being a slot receiver at the next level. Yeah, to be honest with you, despite the size of being, I believe he's five nine. If I know, if I uh, yes, and remember five, that five nine one eighty two. Yeah, he didn't strike me as a guy where, okay, he needs to primarily play in the slot. Is that probably where he'll thrive the most in the NFL? Yeah, I would say so. But um, obviously, he's not going to go up and get it over corners that are six foot three and whatnot. But that, that's just not his game. But you can use him on the outside for a whole bunch of different reasons. You know, he can run slants, he can run uh, drag routes, he can run screen. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need to just run vertical with him. Um, in general, like that's probably not going to be his MO, but he is fast enough though to where he can just simply outrun corners at the next level. I don't think he's should be delegated towards the slot. I think you could definitely move him all around the board. Um, probably more versatile than Jackson Smith and Jigba, if you want to be completely honest with you. Because I thought that and to be completely honest with you, this was to me the best yards after the catch receiver in the entire class. When he got the ball in his hands. He not only drew tacklers out, he, you know, he ran through tacklers. Like this guy yeah. was just flat out dynamic with the ball. I don't care what his 40 time told me either. He was a lot faster with the ball in his hands than he was running a straight line because this guy made tons of people miss. I don't know the exact number of yak yards this guy had. It had to be right up there with the leaders in the country because the amount of plays that he turned into a huge gain that were just, you know, drag. Oh, well, here's a drag route right here. In the soft zone coverage that, you know, when you're when you're playing against zone against the dry route, you should be getting what, like five yards at the max? No, no, no. We're going to turn this into a 40-yard touchdown right here because nobody can come and catch me. You know, I'm going to run over this guy, break this tackler, break that tackler. Really special stuff, man, with the ball in his hands. This is the type of guy where if you're an offensive coordinator, you need to think, okay, how do I maximize this guy and get the ball in his hands as much as possible? Is he the best route runner? No, he's not. I, I definitely think there's some things that need to be refined there. Um, but that will probably come with better coaching in the NFL than we saw at Boston College. So I'm not really too concerned there. He's a good enough route runner, but it's just the ability with the football in your hands to be a, a true playmaker for a team that really stood out for me. And nobody really had this ability. Uh, honestly, there, there's one other guy that I would like to talk about that um, might be a little bit more of a raw athlete. Um, not so much of a not as much of as, as a polished receiver as Flowers was, but. There was definitely a case to potentially be my number one receiver, too. He was just that special, especially with the ball in his hands. 
So a scout that I talked to with a team that is picking in the top 20, um, he basically had said to me that, you know, most teams nowadays are looking for a number one receiver that are going to be around 6'1", 6'2", or, or, or taller. That's why there's so much hype going around with, with, with Quentin Johnson, who we'll, we'll get to in a minute. Um, but with Zay Flowers, I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, he's just a guy that you want to make sure, no matter what you do, you get the ball in his hand. Because when the ball's in his hand, the guy the guy's a lightning bolt. Yeah. And there's always a role for that kind of player in the National Football League. Always. You can really install. He really opens up your playbook a lot as yes. an offense. The big plays are definitely evident there with him. He he is such a safe prospect. There, You see guys like him all over football teams being highly productive year in and year out. Is he going to be one of the 10 to 15 best receivers in football? I don't think so. I don't think either of these guys will be, to be completely honest with you. Maybe they can creep the top 15, but in terms of being one of the 10 best receivers in football, I, I don't see that. Uh, me personally, that's just pretty much a testament to the amount of good receivers in the NFL this day and age. But this is a guy who's going to be a number two receiver for a team and be a damn good one. He's going to be more of a 1A uh, to somebody's number one receiver, 1A, 1B type of situation. But uh, both of these guys, I think, really stood out as more finished products than the rest of their peers. Um, but it's the yards after the catch for him that really did it. Because everything else is pretty good. Don't get me wrong. He's got fine. Enough. I don't think he's got the greatest. He doesn't have the greatest hands. He doesn't have the greatest route running ability. He doesn't have the greatest size, obviously. He doesn't have the greatest speed, straight line speed. It's good. It's it's not, you know, jaw-dropping by any stretch of imagination. But when you see this guy run with the ball in his hands, it's it's truly special, man. He's going to be right away um, an impact player for a team. I have no doubt about it. So let's go on now to Jordan Addison, the USC Trojan. Started out his collegiate career at Pitt, won the Blitnikoff Award in 2021 as the nation's top receiver. And what did he do when he went to USC? He absolutely killed it with the Trojans. Now we're talking about him as a potential first-round pick in the upcoming draft. Uh, Jake, I mean, Jordan Addison, he's another one. The tape was just outstanding with him. I think if you're looking for your just prototypical, put him in the slot, let him go receiver, this this is your guy. There are some things where he was a little bit limited, uh, smaller frame, uh, not the best catch radius that I've ever seen, did have some issues with drops. But outside of that, if you're looking for your athletic freak that is just going to absolutely take on anybody in the slot, Jordan Addison is definitely your guy. The speed, the balance, the quickness, vision, the cuts, all just pure. And I'm very excited for Jordan Addison next level. I think whichever team gets him is getting a really, really, really good player. Yeah, I liked him too. The thing with him, though, that didn't, that didn't really move the needle for me on my list to move him up past number, I think I have him at four or five. Yeah, number four. I just didn't see any real special qualities. Everything was very good. I didn't see any true weaknesses where I go, yeah, that that's awful. Like that's that's brutal right there. He can't catch, or you know, he doesn't really have a developed route tree. He's not the most physical at the line of scrimmage. Everything was pretty good. Wasn't the best after the catch, in my opinion. I I just didn't really see the explosive bursts and the explosive movements. And 
the real different type of movements that you see from guys. I'm not saying that he's like awful after the catch or any stretch of the imagination there, but I didn't see like truly like, wow, this is, I've seen a lot of receivers like him before. And I think this is also going into a lot of talent evaluators around the league where they go, okay, we've seen this type of receiver before. Let's try and draft somebody a little different and try and develop them more um, to be you see what I'm saying here? Like they can sure. see the ceiling can be a little handicapped with him. So I think that went into my evaluation, but highly productive. This is the type of kid where you watch the film on tape. You think, okay, this kid's a lot better of a football player than he is an athlete. Like we're looking for football players here. And this kid's a damn good football player. This kid should no doubt be drafted in the first round just for being productive alone. And he, he tested fine. I don't think there was anything too concerning there. It just wasn't, Really, correct me if I'm wrong, you follow the testing a lot more than I do, but I don't think there was anything where you go, that killed his draft stock there. Everything was good enough to get him drafted in the first round, probably. Um, He's going to be a nice player. I I think he's another guy that's pretty ready to go right away. I think he kind of might be, and this is another reason why I think a lot of people are a little bit afraid. I don't see how he can really grow as a receiver. And that's not a knock because that's how well-developed he is already. I feel like who he is right away in the NFL will be who he is for a long time, bearing any sizable role changes, if you see what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, and I absolutely agree. He he was one of those guys that really did just kind of test, like Jackson Smith and Jigma. Like, it's, a, it's a great comp- It's a great comp. They tested where, fine. I agree that they're both yes, similar players. They tested and was, fine. And Jigma was way more dynamic for me, though, on film, particularly yes, I, after the catch. Yep, and he moved a lot differently, in my opinion. Agreed, agreed, and and I know that there there were a couple of of scouts that had said to me um, there weren't really any concerns about uh, Jordan Addison's numbers at USC because he's been he's been a fantastic player throughout his collegiate career. He's yeah, put very up numbers productive at Pitt, and he put up great numbers at USC with Caleb Williams. Who, by the way, uh, Jake, if you want to just you know put this guarantee in 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 stone right now. Uh, Caleb Williams will be the number one quarterback next year, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here, here we are, March. Uh, we're at March 30th of the year of our Lord, 2023. Royce already saying that Caleb Williams could be the number one quarterback next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jordan Addison, fantastic, fantastic player. And he's going to be a, a real difference maker um, at the next level. Now, Quinton Johnston, the consensus number one on a lot of people's boards i spoke to about 15 scouts and 12 of them had quinton johnston as their number one receiver so we are different in that regard you and i versus the scouts the people that actually do this for a living yeah i I definitely liked him though i i see i see what they're seeing though if that makes sense well it's interesting for me because Quinton Johnston really is the kind of receiver that I tend to flock to. Big-bodied, 6'2", 208. He is your prototypical number one receiver at the next level. Put him on the outside. He is a bully. He will get the ball come hell or high water. And that's it. But TCU, the offense is not a pro-made, tailored offense had a very limited route tree. A lot of his routes, really, and where he made his huge plays on tape were him just running downfield and Max Duggan throwing him, throwing him a ball over the top, and bam, 
there's there's a touchdown for for Quentin Johnson. He's not a big participant in the run blocking game. That has to improve at the next level if he wants to become a complete player and be a complete number one receiver. Against zone coverage, he wasn't great. He was much better against press man, which obviously, because he's much much more of a physical receiver, he wants that hand fighting because he's going to win 99 times out of 100 given his size, his strength, and his overall athletic ability. The drops were a bit of an issue for him. And to be quite honest, I think a lot of people as well were expecting a much bigger jump from Quinton Johnson in 2022. And despite how good TCU were, Quinton Johnson did not have that kind of monster breakout season that a lot of people were expecting. Only six touchdowns from him at, on 60 catches for a shade over 1,000 yards. But he tested pretty well at the combine, a 4-4-40 in the 84th percentile. He did what he had to do, I think, to cement that what the scouts are saying, that he is this true out-and-out number one receiver. He's got the perfect measurables that you want. Size, weight is absolutely perfect um, for that number one receiver. But there are still a lot of questions that I had. And again, it was not the cleanest tape that I've ever watched. There were a lot of a lot of points where I was just like, I, I didn't see it where he's that number one dominant threat for me. Yeah, he certainly can become that, though. I, yes, I think he can. that's what a yes, lot of those people are seeing. I, I I guess I kind of agree with you. He was just a very awkward receiver to me. It was a lot of, you're right, like very raw, very just naturally God-given ability. He was just a freak athlete playing receiver, and that's pretty much what I saw. And a lot of awkward tendencies where he was asked to run more of the sophisticated routes in the tree, and he dropped the ball. Or the quarterback's not on the same page as him because he didn't know what the hell he was doing in that route, essentially. Absolutely. So it's just little little stuff like that. I think, listen, it depends on the situation for him and how much he absorbs and how much he learns, how much he retains information, because the playbook is going to be everything with him. If he's getting drafted to be the sole pass catcher on a team, I'm not sure how successful that's going to be for him. I think he needs to be in a spot where there's other mouths around him early on in his career for him to learn how to be more of a receiver rather than just an athlete at receiver, and he'll be fine. There, so the stuff in his game are things that I think you can teach at the next level um, where you see a lot of special things. Like, you know, this guy, when he has the ball in his hands, watch out. He's coming. Like, this is a big man that's very fast, very powerful running at you. You like that. When this guy's running vertical, well, th this guy can jump over and go up and get it and climb the ladder with the best of them. Like, that, that's really special right there. But when this guy's asked to run, you know, an out route and get his head turned around to be synced up with the quarterback, yeah, he, he's not really doing that. We, we, like, you know, that, that's not his game right now. And, you know, when you break down the areas on the football field – like, this guy's pretty much just like an X receiver right now. Like, he can't play the slot. He doesn't run enough routes well enough. And you probably can't play him as a Z either because it's just like when you're playing, when you're the next receiver, like, there's only just so few, there's just so few routes that you can run. Sure. And when you're somebody like that, that's not as polished as everybody else, you kind of can't play him in those other spots. Like, he's only playable on one spot of the field, which is also, this is just like, you know, year one type stuff. You hope he evolves to that. So 
Uh, fit will be very big with him, but I see a lot of what the scouts are seeing now. Um, it's just, I wish he did those other things better because it's funny because when I was watching, you know, before we really dug deep into this, this year, just watching TCU from a distance, I go, wow, this kid's spectacular. Uh, this guy's got to be one of the best receivers in the draft class, which he is, but I was thinking the whole time, this guy's gonna be the best receiver in the class. Can't wait to watch this guy more in depth. And then you see it and you go, huh, well, yeah, that's, that's not good. That's, that's more of a college thing. And then you see him run the same, like, five to seven routes a game. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe not. And, but there's definitely room to grow and I like the kid a whole lot. So um, it, he's, there's, he's there's, not a there's, sure there's thing. There's a lot to like. He There's a lot to like though. There's a lot of yes. special qualities, which are appealing. There are a lot there. Are, if you're looking for, and I, I say this with a lot of players and a lot of evaluations as well, that there are two different kinds of evaluators that we live in in the scouting community there are the evaluators that don't take too much stock in the film but are going to look at the measurables look at the performances that he puts onto the gym and on the field at the combine at pro days at senior bowl whatever and that's what they're going to base their evaluations off of that's not how i do it i always like to base everything that i do and jake i know you are the same way Everything is based on the eye test, watching film, sitting down, watching film for hours on end and trying to figure out, okay, in game action, granted it is in college against lower skilled opposition, put that in air quotes, where is this guy excelling and where is he needing to grow? Quinton Johnston is your perfect Jim Rat, not going to look at the game film, going to look at the measurables and say, wow, he tests immaculately in every, in every area. And that's what he does. But the film is very, it was very choppy. It was very, very, very choppy. He is not a sure thing. Teams are going to look at him. People are going to be obsessed with the physical freak that he is. He's going to be a first round pick. There's no doubt in my mind. And I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it because he does. Because he is... He is your typical outside receiver at the next level. He, he is it. But he needs to grow. And he physically is the specimen that you want him to be. But as far as the tools on the field, he is very, very raw. And that has to be crafted on. But as Jake said, and I agree with him, a lot of the things that he struggles with can be taught at the next level. If he goes to a great spot with a great receiving coach, a great offensive coordinator, and most importantly, other receivers in the room that can help him grow to become that dominant number one receiver that he has the potential to become. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of special things. There, There is no minimizing that. And, you know, there's just some much better well-rounded receivers in this in this class than him, so... So let's go to your number five receiver. Let's talk about Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma. Uh, he had some very, very clean film. He's my number seven receiver, had excellent hands, top speed, a lead after the catch. The only thing with him that I didn't necessarily love is that, yeah, he's a little bit smaller. Um, I don't know if he's really a slot guy. If he is going to be put on the outside, he may struggle against some of the bigger corners at 5'10". Uh, he really was a deep ball nut. That really is where he kind of made his living. 
the separation down the sideline by using his speed uh, and over the middle as well. He's a fine prospect. He is he's a fine prospect. I don't know if he's a uh, a round one guy, but is he definitely a round two guy, high round two, mid round two? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely is. And he goes into a team, and he's going to make a team uh, definitely more explosive on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be a lot better as a pro, in my opinion, <clears throat> than he was as a collegiate player. Uh, not the best situation in Oklahoma, as we not, well know. They've fallen on some hard times since uh, mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley left. And he still shined, and despite all of the darkness that was going on over there in Oklahoma. Yards after the catch. I'm a big yak guy, as you've noticed. I, I think year yes. after year. That is it because that's a huge part of the NFL game nowadays. It's yards after the catch. All the rules are just predicated around yards after you can't even touch these receivers. So a lot of teams are like, you know what? Let's just not touch the receivers at the line of scrimmage and let's do our best here. So that's why yards after the catch are so important. And this guy can get vertical. I think he ran, he definitely had to. If I had to guess what 40 time he ran, I mean, I'm he had there's no way he ran fast in like a four four two. Like low four fours, I would say, um, because this this kid has to be one of the fastest receivers in the draft class uh, on film. There was another guy that I thought played a little faster than him. We'll talk about him in just a little bit, but um, yeah, the, the frame isn't the biggest. That is definitely a concern. He, I think, he needs to bulk up just a tad, not too much, because then that can result in a little bit of loss of speed. And what he does great, because he has truly elite game wrecking speed, something you can't teach at the next level. There's going to be a spot for him on a team's offense right away. You're going to have design plays to get the ball in his hands because he can wreck a game. And when you have tools like this, the other things sometimes just fall into place. And he was, he was a nice route runner. Wasn't the best. I didn't see anything that was just awful, but the size and the frame definitely give you some limitations to where he can ultimately go, but top end speed, man, just top end speed. And he's a good enough route runner uh, to be effective. And you said he ran a four a four four forty. You were very you were very very close. He it couldn't ran... be much fat, much slower than like a four four two. I mean, if Jackson Smith and Jigba ran, oh no, he was a four five three. He was a four four two guy that we just talked about. I forgot who it was, but um, you were very close. He he ran a four three eight. Yeah, he he he's complete. He's got a rocket up his ass. We talked about guys yeah. like that before. Yep. That, that trigger word, rocket up his ass. Yeah, that's that's Marvin Mims. He is. He's a he's a second round pick for me. Um. Violent runner, after the catch, he he's one of the best in the class that I saw. Get the ball in his hands, and then that's it, that's it. He is a real difference maker, uh, in that regard. Uh, and then my number five receiver, Josh Downs, I, I honestly I thought he excelled in every area that you that you want him to. The only thing where I was really unimpressed was his his ability as a blocker that absolutely has to be worked on, uh, at the next level. Uh, despite the size, you want the track record and the proven level of production. He got it 4,000 yard seasons over the course of his career. Uh, really, it just comes down to the size. Um, but he profiles mostly as a slot, a slot receiver. Still, he's probably the number two or number three slot receiver in the class, depending on where you would put Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers and, and, and Jordan Addison. The acceleration, the initial burst is second to none. I really, really, really like what I saw with him. He probably is a second round receiver if we're, if we're being really honest. Could I see him potentially sneak into the back end of round one? Sure. Absolutely. Um, but mostly 
he is a he is an elite slot receiver on the high end and an elite special teamer. And that's just kind of it with with Josh Downs. Did not test particularly well either, especially in the in the 40 running just about a four five, which I, he plays much, much, much faster than that. Yeah, I agree. He, he pretty much falls a lot in line with Jordan Addison. A lot of things that he does pretty well. Nothing particularly spent. No real special traits. And I think that's something that I look for a lot in receivers where you have to do something pretty special for me to be ranting and raving about you. Do I think he could be a solid pro? I Absolutely. But I, I'm looking for guys that could become, you know, premier receivers, not just like expendable guys on a year-to-year basis and I, I think he's going to be a good pro, but a great pro. I didn't see greatness in there with him. Sure. So let's, let's go to your sleeper, shall we? Andre Azevis from Princeton. The Ivy League. I liked him. I liked what I saw what I saw in film with him. Very, very impressive. I mean, my God. Every area. Short, intermediate, deep throws. The production was off the charts. The thing with him is just level of competition um, and still very, very, very raw. Jake, uh, you like him a whole a whole heck of a lot. Uh, where do you have him in your, in your receiver ranks, by the way? I'm just curious. Uh, to be honest with you, I have him as my wide receiver 11, which is okay. pretty high. He's, he's a yeah. true sleeper for me. Yeah, absolutely. I have him as my wide receiver 12. So we're very much right in line. Yeah, and, and I think that that could roll. He does kind of remind me a little bit of Christian Watson from last year. Uh, a lot of the same issues, to be honest with you. Not the best tracker of the ball. Not a very deep route tree as well. I mean, it's a Princeton offense. What you know, <laughs> we're not running necessarily the uh, the Kyle Shanahan West Coast and uh, at the University of Princeton because we don't have a quarterback that can run that type of offense. I don't think. But this kid is a flat out athletic specimen. This mm-hmm. he, he's like a sprinter. I don't know if he's an actual sprinter for the track team over in the Ivy, but. If he was, I could definitely see why. The first step is just uh, this kid would just blow by guys. Is he an Ivy League sprinter? Um, he was a football, basketball, and track star. <laughs> well, I can see why. I mean, this uh, this yeah. kid had to be the most athletic receiver that I watched, and, and, and like it's just very from close. an all around perspective. So I think a team is going to draft him in. Let's just say. Day, he'll be a day three pick, I assume. Like, let's yeah. just say, like, the fifth round. And we could be sitting here one year going, like, wow, that kid was drafted in the fifth round? How is that possible? Yeah, it definitely is possible. And he his he tested. He's he's another one. You talk about a guy that you want to say. If you're looking at his tape and maybe he doesn't have the most impressive tape in the world, but you look at the measurables, he tested out of the, out of the fucking gym. He was 75th percentile or better in every last measurable like that that's crazy he's a freak yeah i i think he's gonna be a steal i like him and there's definitely things to work on not necessarily the most polished receiver not at all polished more of an athlete to be completely honest with you mm-hmm. but hey right away and i can see this kid being a pretty solid return man too in the nfl the worst case scenario Right away, you know, you, 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 he's like a gadget guy. Get him some end arounds, maybe draw up a couple deep balls, and let him work on his game to potentially become a starter. I don't think he's going to be like a starter right away for a team by any stretch of the imagination, but he should be on a roster, and he should at least have somewhat of a role on a team's offense. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely 100% agree. They're those kind of players where they just test, like I said before, they always have a spot <clears throat> in the National Football League. Excuse me. Um, now, Rasheed Rice out of SMU, the athleticism that this guy has. Oh, my God. He could jump and he could go and get it. On the vertical and on the broad jump, he had an 89 percentile on the broad jump. And for the vertical, he was in the 96th percentile. That is absolutely obscene from Rasheed Rice. A solid pro prospect. I think you're probably talking about a, probably a third-round receiver. Uh, for him, he's by no means perfect at all. He's inconsistent where he has the issues with drops. He, he's he's one of those receivers where I look at him and I wonder, oh, my God, how did he make that catch? And then the next, I'll look at him and say, oh, my God, how did you not make that catch? It very inconsistent hands. Um, he is experienced, but he's never been given enough of a diverse route tree because SMU, as we know, is a very wide open offense. People, guys get carte blanche to really go in and do what they want to do. Um, it, it's a bit of a mystery to me. And it's a bit of mystery to a lot of scouts that I've talked to as to whether or not he's going to create yardage constantly as, as a deep threat or really, if he is more of just like a short intermediate sort of guy, but you get the ball in his hands and he, and he absolutely makes things happen. And that's what I'm, I'm I'm really liking out of him. He's a playmaker. Uh, it just comes down to, is he more of like your more gadget player or can he carve out a role for himself as a legitimate out and out uh, receiver where you can have him on the field uh, for the majority of, of the game? Yeah, I was actually a little bit lower on him. I, I definitely think he was a fine athlete, but his hands, he just did, just didn't look like an NFL receiver to me. He just did sure. not resemble an NFL receiver. I thought that he just wasn't very fluent in any area. It was kind of like he looked uncomfortable a lot of the times. And it also could come down to the offense that they were running at SMU. But he just looked like a guy that I just don't know if, yeah, there's things that you really can't teach. But at the same time, can he really overcome it and develop that much? I just think there's so much development that needs to take place with him to where I just wasn't the highest on him of my ranks. Here's a guy that I, w- I want to talk about because I think most most listeners will know who he is. Obviously, the Blitnikoff winner from the previous year, even though it should have been Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, Jalen Hyatt out of the University of Tennessee. Um, I have him as my wide receiver nine. I know there are scouts out there. There's one scout that I talked to that had him as low as their wide receiver 12. And there's another scout out there that has had him as high as his wide receiver four. So he is all over the map. Uh, Jake, where do you have Jalen Hyatt? Number one and number two. Uh, what's the tail of the tape? I hated his tape. Me too. Me too. I was I just hate, relatively yeah. very unimpressed. Uh, listen to me. He just looked like your generic run of the mill above the rim receiver. Uh, that's mm-hmm. really all like he, after the catch, did he do anything special? No, it's actually pretty stagnant after the catch. Didn't look very, very explosive at all. If you want my honesty, is he the most built to be like, sure. He's a, he is, he has a, no, I don't know what his broad jump was or anything like that. Like, sure. One-on-one go up and get it. Sure. Does he have like the most high end speed? No, I, I, I don't care what his 40 time was. He didn't play fast for me at all. Like, creating separation struggle to particularly in man coverage for me played a lot smaller than what he was 
there was a lot of holes in his game that, and also the his hands were not necessarily the best either. Where there was a couple that he dropped, you go, that's that's got it. You can't drop that. So just not the most. What what do you call? What's the word I'm looking for here? We've seen a lot of guys like him. Yes, they can make explosive plays because they can play above the rim. That's fine, but he's not different in, in any way. Oh my god, man, the Mets. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Tie game for the Marlins. Wow. Brian, Brian, uh, Garrett Cooper home run to tie it. And also, I don't know if you were paying attention. I'm sorry to get get off track, but you know how the Phillies were up five to nothing over Jacob Degrom. They're losing nine to five in the fifth inning now. Oh, good. Did did Aaron Nola implode? Yeah. Oh, good. In typical Aaron Nola fashion. Awesome. Um. But with with Jalen Hyatt, the one thing that I have written down for him because I usually just have like one key sort of thing before I go into into my notes. The one thing that I wrote down with Jalen Hyatt, one trick pony. He just runs verticals. That, that's that's only that was another thing. I'm sorry I got interrupted by the baseball, but he just didn't have like any other routes besides nope. going deep, a post route, and maybe a slant. Where what else were we doing here? <laughs> like. Agreed. I don't even know if he was the best receiver on that team, to be completely honest with you. Uh, honestly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really, really honest with you. I was more impressed with Cedric Tillman's tape than I, I, I was with Jalen Hyatt. I was too. <laughs> like, I don't even think he was the best receiver on the team. No, no. I, I honestly, there, there is a debate to be had as to whether or not he was. Like, I think it's a very, very, very good point. Um, but with the with the receivers, we'll put we'll put a bow on this before we go into into the tight ends very quickly. Um, the teams that could that could need uh, receiving help, and we we mentioned the Houston Texans. They have two first round picks. It would be borderline ridiculous if the Houston Texans don't go out and get a number one receiver to pair with their new number one quarterback. Um, just looking down the the list here to see who could who could use one. Maybe the Patriots could use could use another receiver to go with to go with Juju. Uh, I don't know if they're going to go in that direction. The, Packers- the Patriots are a team that would draft Hyatt. Uh, he 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 is a Patriot type of receiver. Oh yes, he is. Oh yes, he is. Now the Packers. How funny would that be? They tra- they trade Aaron Rodgers and then yeah. they draft the first round receiver. That would just I be. See, I could see Josh McDaniels and the Raiders drafting a receiver because they just. Who knows what, what the rate like? Do you really, you know, would it really shock you to see the Raiders draft a receiver and have more mouths to feed? No, it wouldn't shock me. Maybe Cincinnati, as they probably brace to pit, to lose T. Higgins next year. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at at all. Uh, yeah. I'm just trying to see who else could could use a Buffalo receiver. Buffalo, absolutely the Giants. Yeah. The Giants, the Giants. pass catchers. Maybe Dallas needs another pass catcher too, outside of maybe particularly a guy that plays in the slot. Um, because Jalen Tolbert really didn't. No, but they had they had their three now with with Lamb, Cooks, Gallup. Unless they yeah. trade Michael Gallup, which yeah, I, mean, I, I would I would be totally unopposed. But Michael maybe, Gallup's maybe not really a guy Lamb. that could play in the slot. CD Lamb could play in the slot though, but I think they could use another pass catcher. Man, you can't have enough. A lot of these teams have dynamic. I still think Dallas needs some game-breaking speed on that offense, particularly a wide out. They'd be a nice fit for Marvin Mims, but yeah, yeah, they would be. They they'd be they'd be a heck of a fit. Um, what about Minnesota? Sure. Now that Adam um, Thielen is not there, 
Yeah, I, I mean, you can make the case for a lot of teams in the NFC South with, outside of New Orleans. I think Tampa could use another pass catcher as well with Mike Evans probably gone next year. Sure. Who knows what the future looks Tampa's a very weird team, honestly. Um, yeah, but they're, they're, listen, you can make a case for a lot of teams needing a pass catcher. Yes. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. All right, so let's go and talk, talk about the tight ends very quickly quickly uh the two really that are at the top of everybody's boards or at least they should be are uh Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer Jake are they your are they your one two Kincaid and Mayer yes okay so then so let's just go down three four five I don't want to spend too much time uh on on the tight ends too much uh because we are running a little long um but my Third tight end, I have Sam Laporta out of Iowa. Number four, I have Luke Musgrove out of Oregon State. Five, I have Darnell Washington out of Georgia. And then my sleeper tight end, I went with Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. Uh, Listen, we have the same top five outside of I have Washington at three, Laporta at four, and Musgrove at five. Musgrove at five. Okay. And then so, my sleeper was Daniel Barker at Michigan State. Okay. Okay, I like it. I like it. Uh so let's talk let's just talk about the top the top two. Obviously Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer. Actually, you know what? I have Kincaid at number one for whatever yes, it's worth. I have Kincaid at number at number one as well. But and I what love I want to do what I want to do actually is we'll play word association. I'll give you the name. You have to say a sentence about each each of the tight ends, okay? Okay, sure. Just to cover him, just to cover him, give and give him some love. So we'll start with Luke Musgrove. A word, word or a sentence? Unpolished. Potential all around. Potential versus production. Yes, potential versus production needs to evolve as a blocker as well as a receiver. Um, nice routery, but needs more like the the measurables and what you see the flashes of that doesn't translate into production enough mm-hmm. for me. Sam Laporta. Can knock you on your fucking ass. Catching machine. Yeah. And that too. Darnell Washington. Was being held back. Best run blocker in the class. Yeah, it was definitely being held blocked, held held back as a receiver is what I was alluding to. Well, I mean, if Brooks Bowers was in this class, he'd be the number one tight end. Oh, Brock Bowers next year. Brock is, Bowers, be... excuse me. Woof. Oh God, Brock Bowers is amazing. But all right, so let's talk about the top two: Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid. Uh, with Michael Mayer, he came in as the number one tight end uh, this year. Uh, turmoil at Notre Dame. It was, it was not their best season. Then they had their uh, sort of uh, leap de loop. I don't know what the hell what the hell I'm saying. Flip flop bullshit at the quarterback position over the course of the season. A, a fucking nightmare. Uh, <laughs> it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare of a season for for Notre Dame. Uh, but Mayer, he's a good athlete. Got pretty straightforward quickness. Good size. Natural instincts can't bring him down in the open field. Really need to go for for the legs to try and bring him down. And as a fantastic blocker, you you want him to uh, pick up blitzes, block in the run game. Cool, he could he could do it all. Uh, 
Baby Gronk has been his nickname for forever. And listen, I don't think he's going to be a Gronk 2.0 or anything. Whoever drafts him, better hope that he will uh, turn into that. Um, But he is, there's not much that separates him and Dalton Kincaid for me. Uh, I think that he is as close as it gets to being one of those prospects where I'm like, wow, he's very, very, very well-rounded. I just think with Mayer and Kincaid, Mayer gives you the surefire production, whereas Kincaid, I feel like he's got the higher ceiling in him. I agree. Um, as my, Michael Mayer in the red zone is a flat-out beast, too. It's yes. just so physical, and he knows how to go up. He climbs the ladder a lot better than Dalton Kincaid. Kincaid was just a much better vertical threat for me, and a guy that probably translate, translates into a better pro just based on how the game goes because you could probably put him as a slot receiver, essentially, and be a huge mismatch. But if we're talking in terms of just standard inline, put your hand in the dirt, tight ends, I would go with Michael Mayer. But more of a traditional NFL tight end nowadays because they're pretty much just glorified receivers, I, I would go with Kincaid. So now let's just go right in, into talking about, about Dalton Kincaid. Uh, for, I mean, what what do you want? Really, what do you want? You want him to run any route in the route tree? He can do it. You want him to block? Polished enough. Short, intermediate, deep, could do it. Outstanding hands. Production was off the charts. Dalton Kincaid is literally everything that you, you would want in a pass-catching tight end. He's he's a beast. He's probably that guy where, again, I don't want to say that he's anything like this kind of player because, because obviously he's not. But if you're looking for that guy that could be the Travis Kelsey for your offense where he just dominates and is the number one target, Dalton Kincaid can absolutely fill that role. He was go. He is going to be fantastic wherever he goes. I agree. It might take him a year though to really get his feet wet in the NFL, but I have no doubt this guy is going to be a Pro Bowl tight end for a long time. Yes, absolutely one hundred one hundred percent agree. I, I, I honestly, for what it's worth, I think Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid are both Pro Bowl caliber tight ends. A hundred percent. I have no doubt that both of these guys are just going to knock me out of the park. Yes, absolutely. And whoever gets them, they're getting absolute, absolute studs. And maybe that's why Dallas was uh, comfortable in letting Dalton Schultz walk, is that they know that there's the possibility that one of these guys is going to fall right into their laps, and this and they're the guys they that they go and get. Because you got to remember, Dallas they have a great track record of dealing with tight ends. Yeah, the Mets just took the lead again. Oh boy. Oh boy, the no- the noisy neighbors. I could I could hear them now. Yeah, game's not over yet though. Nope, long way to go. Long oh, they're way. All dancing around against the lowly Marlins. Ah, oh, that's fans. I love them. I love them. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Jake, as always, it was an absolute pleasure. We're done with the offense. Next up, it's defense time. Yeah, no complaints here. We're ahead of schedule. We are ahead of schedule. Uh, we're obviously having one of these episodes come out next week. Um, so if there is not another episode next week, a very happy Easter, Jake, to you and yours, and a very happy Easter, happy Passover to all of our listeners. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully we will have another one next week. If we don't have another one next week, we will have a Basement Talk podcast fantasy show with Adam. 
And then we also will have a Basement Talk podcast next week as well with Adam. So plenty of content to go on to the podcast. We will have you completely covered there. Uh, if you like what you heard, leave a five-star review. Tell us how much you love the program. For Jake, I am Bird. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one, whenever that will be. It'll be next week sometime. Just don't know when. Bye-bye.